You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And today we are live on Instagram and also doing the podcast here in the clinic and also on Instagram. Instagram. We have you guys with us on IG and you guys are firing questions at us and we're going to be answering those on the podcast. Yep. I think that's Which a, is a cool idea. Really a little bit confusing, yeah. but it's going to be awesome. Perfect. So, we have some questions that are coming through already First and hopefully was, I can it was advice down. on how to how to keep motivated to stay eating healthy. Ooh. Oh, oh big question. Big question. Yeah. From Kimbo244. Well, I guess we can talk about it in a broader yeah. context yeah. because I think it's also an interesting one for Christmas, I right? Think, yeah, I exactly. don't know whether you're asking that question, Kimbo244, in regard to Christmas time. Um, but I would say, firstly, in regard to just staying look motivated I think, just, I think setting yourself just achievable goals and not not like I think the biggest thing is is I think people um by nature just want to overcomplicate being healthy and mm-hmm. realistically it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. and that's what I say to my clients like if you if you're if you know you're busy if you know you're stressed and all of this just set yourself some realistic goals and just and if you feel like your end goal is so far away just start with smaller goals like mm-hmm. I know with some of my clients, I'm just like, let's just start with getting you having a good macro balance breakfast and a good macro balance lunch. And mm-hmm. what in, what involves making that happen is like setting yourself some food prep goals and setting some time aside to do that. Yeah. So just keeping your food on point, it doesn't have to be an extravaganza every single meal. It can be basic, simple, as long as it contains your macros, that's, that's a yeah. pretty easy way to start and stay on track. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we always talk about, Jason, is that what you're highlighting there is that it doesn't have to be complicated. I think particularly with places like Instagram being healthy. Oh, I can actually do my quotation marks and people can yeah, see me people on each other. Yeah, people actually see me. We do a lot <laughs> of air I can't do my <laughs> Being healthy kind of seems like it's very overwhelming and that it's like this really big deal. But realistically, just eating whole food and getting your body moving and so forth like it's it's just the basics that we talk about with your your macros as Crystal was saying and also like usually oh man poor connection great we'll just keep going hey usually with taking care of yourself and eating well it's a bit of a self-fulfilling space because the better you tend to feel the more you continue to be motivated by that and we see that yeah. with our clients all the time don't we where essentially they'll like be following a certain way of eating or a certain protocol and then they have a bit of a slip up um and they go out on the weekend or whatever it is and they're just mm. like oh like i just didn't realize how much better i felt and i prefer to feel well i don't want to feel like shit i want to feel yeah, well exactly. so it kind of not ends up feeding back into itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jocely10, what's the best thing to avoid or include to improve my gut health? I feel like this is a bit of an individual one. I think 
obviously there's the real basic stuff depending on where you're at with your kind of health journey more air quotes for us but I think obviously some of the biggest things you just want to start doing is just cutting the crap I think is you know the, the biggest thing like get rid of refined sugar get rid of anything that's not you know in excess a whole food like anything that's kind of you know too packaged too processed anything like that moving your body every day believe it or not is actually massively beneficial for your gut health um, not, not over consuming you know sugary beverages or alcohol or anything like that making sure you're drinking enough water making sure you're eating enough fiber so they're all the really basic things that I think mm. everyone can just find online if you just wanted to start there but if you're kind of for you who's asking the question if you're definitely way beyond that space and you definitely feel like you're in well and surely into the health space and you want to know how to really amp that up then it's probably then going into understanding your individualized microbiome and what it needs and that's where testing can be really cool that's where understanding if you have issues with certain inflammatory foods can really matter and um, you know eliminating or removing those you know for a good portion of the time um yeah and it's individualized which is what you're getting at too like when you're asking about best things to avoid or include like we get asked that question a lot and it's not it's not so simple like what chris is talking about i always think of it like a funnel and you've got that sort of top tier of the foundation so do those first there's no point like removing gluten if if you've got a shitty diet to start with so do the foundations first but then from there it it does get a little bit more individualized to you because not everyone needs to just go and pull gluten out of their diet or dairy out of their diet and maybe not everyone even needs to do a functional test or there's all these different avenues as far as like how you would go through that and when we work with avoidance of foods with our clients it's based on their individual testing or case taking and we can clearly see what they need to avoid and when they do that right like it's not always long term there might be some things long term they're avoiding but short term to medium term there might be things they're taking out and then mm. bringing back in but then i guess what as far as things that you can include to improve your gut yeah. health <gasps> like it's kind of like a whole nother space yeah. again isn't it there's like the top tier stuff stuff but then it's like from there, I think when people ask this question, they're often thinking about like probiotics and yeah, fermented, fermented foods, foods, those sorts of things. Yeah. I'm what gonna, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think those things are all obviously really important, but again, they they have their place in mm. your microbiome and the time. Like probiotics are not something that honestly everyone needs. Mm. Um, prebiotics are definitely something everyone needs, but do you need to take prebiotics in a supplemental form or can you just mm. eat a prebiotic rich diet is really dependent on what's going on in your microbiome and you know what you need to do specifically. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool research coming out in the, you know, like the fiber space and obviously that, you know, brings in prebiotics and stuff like that as well, or prebiotic rich foods. But fiber and diversity is pretty important. Like where the Mm. research is sitting at the moment is, yeah, like fiber is important. Diversity is probably, you know, as important as that across the board and what they're starting to realize with a lot of these different species and or strains as they discover them in the gut microbiome that everything feeds off different things so if you have a beautiful we always talk about our polyphenols and antioxidants and all of that you know eat the rainbow but get your fiber up there you're doing a massive thing for your gut health long term exactly yeah and i reckon like the concept of drinking kombucha and kefirs and all these sorts of things like it's like one it's trendy two it's kind of like a cool thing you can like buy and just consume as like one thing like in some ways it's like an easy option but realistically the answer to this is that it is more diverse than that like Mm. you as you just said it's like eating a complexity of different 
fibers and that concept of eat the rainbow like the best thing you can do to improve your gut health is exactly that yeah but then if you're like but i can't do that because i feel like crap then that's when you need to seek help and get advice about what's going on in your gut so it's not as like i feel like the answer that's not as sexy as people want it to be same with like (laughs) when people say to us as well like what diet is the best diet to follow we're like there isn't one no like it's and it's not a sexy answer it's not trendy it's like finding what works for you and if that is a mostly plant-based gluten-free diet then and that's what works for you that's awesome but if it's you know if it's a you know plant exclusive diet or anything like that and that's what works for you then that's awesome so some people don't do as well on a completely plant exclusive diet they need to bring some you know some animal or fish based proteins in there it's Mm. just yeah the the raw truth isn't as sexy as what people want it to be it's more (laughs) whole food fiber you know diversity prebiotic rich protein really matters depending on where and knowing where you're kind of getting it from and making sure you're meeting your protein requirements and yeah all of that has this beautiful flow-on effect for your gut microbiome exactly now just as a reminder we are doing this on instagram so if you guys have any questions who are watching at the moment feel free to fire them they can be about anything whether it's yeah again gut hormones immunity just eating well through the coming months bloody anything just fire them at us i was just thinking when you're saying that about like this sort of concept of what people want to know and these sort of like quick fix (laughs) um answers is not there's the ones about like what can i do for my gut avoid include but often also about foods themselves as far as like mm. what's the most like what's the healthiest food I can eat oh, I'm so like I, I <laughs> do you ever get like I get the question a lot too what's the best superfood I'm like yes, all, whole, yeah, yeah. all whole foods are superfoods <laughs> like if you break down so many of these even just uh, like I feel like I'm beetroot obsessed because I always come back to a beetroot but like <laughs> you can break down a beetroot and find it's got some amazing um you know amazing health benefits so I also feel like yeah there's not one set food that's you know Mm-hmm. The, the be all and end all that if you have that every day of your life you're going to live till you're 100 yeah again it's all about balance diversity antioxidants color yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah superfoods is a big one like there's a lot of like questions about what are these sort of top tier foods and mm. like i mean there's there's a beautiful phytonutrient rich foods but it's about the combination of all of these foods together that's what we're looking for there's no like as as beautiful and amazing as something like blueberries are or um, I, I think everyone at JCN Clinic is obsessed with pomegranate. Like, it doesn't mean... <laughs> I feel like Lex is obsessed with pomegranate and you're obsessed with pomegranate. It's probably my fault. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that, like, if you just eat that food, like, yeah. in excess, that, like, all of your health woes will yeah. be just, like, wah, gone. Yeah, exactly. It definitely will help, but it's not going to fix everything. Um, <laughs> what other questions do we have here? Oh, oh. Whoops, I just killed the viewers. Okay, guys, fire, fire a few more. What other questions do we tend to get at this time of the year? I think a lot of you are often asking us about Christmas and... I was just going to say, like, how to do... We, we always just have a quick... Ch- I chat with a lot of my clients mm. about why we're waiting for you guys to ask some questions. Please ask. Um, <laughs> um, we, we always talk about what our Christmas table looks like. Like, we were literally chatting about that before we jumped on mm-hmm. and just... Obviously, I feel like summer in Queensland. Well, you won't even be in Queensland. For Christmas. Uh-uh. You're no be way, dead man. In that cold place. <laughs> <laughs> 
but like I feel like Queensland Queensland Christmases are usually done pretty healthfully because of I think mostly the climate so again we always have fresh meats and prawns and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff we were talking about before the types of salads as well mm-hmm. we're going to make so I'm doing a mango what was it mango pumpkin avocado red onion red onion salad yeah and an awesome big garden salad so just having you know beautiful big fresh salads as well um what do you what do you do for carbs for christmas roast potatoes you do roast potatoes yeah, heaps of like roast okay. potatoes like heaps hot? of roast yeah. yeah yeah but then victoria's usually actually we used to do it up here too you would just have like really hot lunches and just sweat your oh, ass God. off yeah nah <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, are the potatoes hot? <laughs> Not for me. Hot and sweaty. Not for yours. It's almost like an English Christmas. I yeah, like it's I'm... very English. It's that traditional like hot roast, the meats, like all of that stuff. But then that's my sort of again, yeah. that sort of tradition. I know. Well, I know roll. when Tanya does, my sister, when she does um, Christmas for Finn, like if she's in charge of the food, like that's where it's a very English Christmas. Like it's puddings everything's baked and hot and mm-hmm. i'm just like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> i'm not coming to your place <laughs> and she doesn't like seafood so we're not even really related <laughs> all right we have a question paulina if you are following treatment with the holidays will one meal outside of the plan do any harm i'm gonna say no <laughs> just click like no no and so i we're talking about this a lot lot with our our clients clients. right at the moment. I literally client prior to doing this, um, we had a big conversation about this. Mm -hmm. And I think it like is important conversation, whether it's at Christmas or at any time, you're following treatment protocols. If you feel like that you can't step outside that box, one little iota, you are just, oh, it's my mum. Hi, (laughs) mum. Hi. (laughs) You are just setting yourself up for fail like as soon as you put those restrictions on because and as we say to our clients yeah like life happens and christmas is one of those things where you get together <laughs> when you get together with family and friends you're going to need a little bit of wiggle room so allow yourself to have a meal outside of your plan whatever that is but the most important thing we always say is just get back into it like the next day um, if it's a whole day, like it doesn't mean that you get up the next day and go, oh, I've completely stuffed it. Like, yeah. what's the point? Like, I may as well just ride this through to the new year, <laughs> which is really common attitude. Yes. And it's just like that one meal or even that day, you might feel a bit shitty the next day and a bit sluggish. But if you get back into mm-hmm. just generally looking after yourself, mm-hmm. go for a walk, the next day after that or the day after, you're going to feel back to yourself but if you use that as a reason to just go well uh, what's the point yeah then come the new year and then often when we see clients who've done that they're saying to us oh man i just feel like rubbish and they're like trying to push out their appointments because they're like i don't (laughs) want to see you because i feel so shit and it's like that's why you should see us us. (laughs) i'm just here to report the good stuff so yeah, I think we're really passionate about people like having that bit of flexibility and freedom. Wiggle room. I also think I talk to my clients about as well because I think there's a lot of stress when you're doing treatment protocols, whether they're for your hormones. Usually, for your gut, is the ones that people are more you know worried about stepping outside of their you know their plan. 
is you're not going to undo six months of work or 12 months of work or three months of work by eating one meal that doesn't align with your plan. It's, you know, like you you make so much progress in that time um, and you you make so much headway and there's definitely changes that are happening in your microbiome. Sometimes it may not feel like it, but definitely behind the scenes things are happening. Um, So don't think that if you have that one meal where you just relax some of those guidelines, you know, that your practitioner has given you, that you're all of a sudden going to go back to that, how you felt in that initial consultation. So yes, some of the symptoms may feel similar, but they will come and go quite quickly if you if you just kind of stay within your guidelines after that meal yeah and so true yeah so so true a lot of people have a fear that like they've gone back to square one um when there's a flare-up of symptoms and it's just not the case if you've done like six months three months 12 months of work you are ahead of the game you might get a flare-up in those symptoms that make you feel like you were back when you first started but you're never back there you've done that like carissa just said that underlying work so it's even more of a reason to just jump back into it and get yourself back into the game but please just like enjoy Enjoy. those times too like if you that's the other thing too Mm. right like when you you have a meal like that if you're eating it with fear and then beating yourself up emotionally about it afterwards like makes it 10 times worse just enjoy it yeah and it just take it for what it is so we did have a question before how much caffeine is too much. Thank you, Stephanie. That was from Miss Stephanie Blake, <laughs> who's sitting outside in our reception area. Um, well, it really depends on the person and when they're drinking it. So <laughs> we definitely try in the clinic to have some guidelines around caffeine or rules around caffeine because some of us are fiends. Um, so I would say it really does depend but realistically you probably don't want to be having more than at least like I would say two coffees a day and depending on the strength of those coffees so personally my coffees are always double shots so I'll try and keep that at one coffee per day maybe a piccolo in the afternoons um, but I definitely know I feel better when I just stick to my sort of you know one coffee at the start of the day so I definitely feel better energy wise do you know anyone that can handle more like have you had clients over the years that have kind of pushed that and One you're just two. like really yeah and you're kind of like happy with them handling i don't know two or three coffees a day i do have a couple and they're honestly fine like yeah. i've got one or two that i can think of where they might have a double shot in the morning and a double shot in the afternoon or something mm-hmm. and they're fine with that personally i'm if my energy levels are good i'm quite fine with that but if mm-hmm. i'm tired and I, I know we chatted about this i think lex and i chatted about this and we we're talking about that quarters are like this time of year is not the time mm. for me to do that mm-hmm. like i know when i'm tired if i'm reaching for that second coffee in the afternoon and i'm exhausted i'll actually just feel tired after i have it then that's when i oh really yeah like i'll yeah. just have it and i'm just i, I actually am yawning and i'm like well that was, <laughs> that was a, pointless. pointless but b i actually feel worse now so <laughs> that's a good sign yeah but yeah i feel like i definitely feel like there are times where i can just you know if i feel like an afternoon coffee and sometimes it's more habit but i can have it and i'm still fine i'll still sleep get a good night's sleep Mm, yeah 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 it's so individual it yeah. really is like you and and even from a like gut treatment or protocols that we do at jcn it's often something you've got to work out mm. individually because some people also will feel fine with their coffee but particularly i find with gut stuff it might be something at a point that you decide to have a little bit of a trial of excluding it and you might find that it actually can be a trigger for certain symptoms yeah um and then other times it's nothing like there's a question mark about it i like to 
have a bit of an experiment with it yeah. but definitely say to a client look this does not mean if we do a week to 10 days off this and you feel no difference then like you do not need to be cutting out your coffee yeah yeah um, i think that's the, that's the key thing as well um I was going to say something and obviously I think being aware of if coffee actually is right for you I think is important and some of the telltale signs that coffee isn't right for you for everyone kind of tuned in on Instagram we have chatted about this in podcasts obviously is and I, I still talk to some of my clients especially new clients and they kind of already know what I'm going to say but if you're having a coffee in the morning and that's what you have to stimulate a bowel motion Hmm. that's not ideal at all mm-hmm. if not probably there's a bit of a few red flags there especially if it triggers a loose bowel motion um if you're someone who has coffee and you know you're very racy off it like you have a coffee and you're like quite almost fight or flight or anxious or anything like that and that's what you use to get through the best half of your day that's not ideal either like coffee hmm. coffee shouldn't make you if you if it agrees with you you shouldn't feel really anxious agitated racing heart anything like that off it and it shouldn't that's me yeah that's just she's getting better though except if it's mixed with vodka (laughs) and Kahlua we worked out espresso martinis are the perfect the perfect way for Jess to drink caffeine I thought so until I tried to go to sleep (laughs) you're like I'm not feeling anything Maybe the coffee's watered down. <laughs> it's not real coffee. <laughs> it's not real coffee. I love what we can convince ourselves of. Um, yeah, so I think it's just understanding if coffee's right for you and then knowing your knowing your limits with caffeine as well. So, yeah. yeah. So, again, for those who have joined us on IG, we're just answering your questions here on IG. We are also recording our podcast at the same time. So if you've just jumped on and you've got any questions at all, in the space of health and nutrition or anything that comes up just fire them at us because we are going to keep on recording for a little bit but otherwise if you guys don't have any more questions we'll um finish this off um let's let's play why we're just waiting to see if anyone wants to ask any questions we could do rapid fire questions at each other oh yeah i'm I'm a little scared yeah (laughs) christmas day what do you drink oh usually it'll be an ex a good reason to open a really good if we've got it like a really good champagne and we'll usually do that earlier rather nice, than later yeah. like our family has a tradition of having champagne first thing in the morning like literally while unwrapping presents is having champagne yeah that's nice we actually do that as well we normally especially if i'm with my sister um we'll do bubbles early on and then you mm. kind of drink water and stuff like that and then you might have a couple of beers around lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or vodka. Usually or... we'll usually do like a nice yeah again maybe like a nice wine or we used to do a lot of making cocktails as well yeah. in the old days. Haven't done that for a while. I went through a stage of making like ages ago like ugh, pina coladas and I that was in the 20s back in the day <laughs> so it makes me vomit oh the my god i know but now i think like i'm just like oh that was so like because we did them properly too it was midori midori malibu proper coconut cream yeah and just we'd shake them in a cocktail shaker with heaps of ice and heaps of fresh lime juice mm-hmm. and it was almost like a meal yeah they're <laughs> full on they're so full on I just, and we just lived on them in summer like, did you ever do fruit tingles did you know that cocktail yeah i had them i never made them but i had them mm. when, when i was out clubbing yeah. god like twenty thousand <laughs> fucking years ago um <laughs> but yeah they're the layered ones They've got like blue curacao. Yes. Um, I think they've got a, is it red grenadine? I think so. I can't even something. remember, but yeah, yeah, it's like the blue and the red, red and then it kind of goes out. And then there's Midori in it as well, because that gives it uh, the, and okay. you layer them over a spoon. So you get yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They, I remember loving those too. Yeah, they and they just turn your mouth blue. Yeah, yeah, it's the blue curacao. <laughs> I think have kind of moved on yeah, a little bit since then. Still like maybe making. Oh, actually, I really love these days, which I might do at Christmas, is a dry martini, ah. which is little, getting a little bit fancy with the like. Like a dirty, sorry, dirty martini. So what's that? Dry vermouth? So it's just dry vermouth and gin and that's mm. it. And it's just shaken and then in a martini glass and then with like a, it's got to be a green olive and usually mm. they put a bit of the juice in, which is what makes it dirty. Yeah, okay. I love that. They I would are like divine. That. I could probably only have like one. Yeah, they knock you on your yeah, butt. But I, I feel like I can deal with it because it's like there's no, I don't know, there's something about it. I think it's just all the more cleaner alcohol. I'm like, that with, I'm like that with margaritas. Like I obviously couldn't drink. I feel like two is my limit. But good quality, like I get good quality tequila, obviously Contro, and then just heaps of lime juice and salt. And I just yeah. feel like the cleanness of the alcohol because there's no sugar. And I also think the citrus always helps. Yeah. Like, but anyway, yeah. yeah, I love, like, I love a good quality margarita. No one else in my family really loves them. Everyone's like, you're insane. <laughs> I'm like, you're all wusses. <laughs> well, they are something. I know, again, like, clients are asking a lot of questions about alcohol at the moment. Mm. So I'm recommending a lot of the what we're talking about because yeah. they're, like, these sugar-free options mm. that just don't knock you around as much from a gut perspective. And then there's a couple of really cool – what were you drinking on the weekend? What was that premix can? Oh, Steltzers. Steltzers. Yeah. And I was saying it wrong and Steph corrected me. But, yeah, literally, like, I say a lot of, to a lot yeah, of I'd my Yeah, I've never clients, heard of like, them. If you don't want to just go vodka and soda, you can get your Steltzers or whatever, but it's literally like a shot of vodka, soda water, and if, a plain one is literally just that in a can. They're an expensive yeah. way to buy booze because I think you pay, like, $20 for a four-pack. But um, but then you can get ones now that have just got a bit of natural flavouring, mm. like, so a little bit of raspberry, a little bit of, you know, cucumber and lime or something like that. And even just the plain lime ones, I just find... This is interesting too because someone just asked before to a question about how we feel about xylitol. Oh, I, yeah. I personally hate oh, the yeah. taste of um, artificial sweeteners, whether they're natural or mm. artificial. Stevia makes me want to gag. Um, it honestly does taste. And when I find like they try and do a lot of these sugar-free drinks, whether it just be mixes and you obviously just can have them as that or mixes for booze and they try and make them sugar-free i can't stand the taste of them so i feel like Steltzers is a nice seltzers or self everyone's going to be laughing at me because again i can't say something but it's a nice way around that because mm-hmm. they don't have the artificial sweetness in them a lot of them yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. such a balance with them like i don't mind yeah the xylitol or the monk fruits or some of them but it's a it's got to be balanced correctly and often i think because people want that That's sweeter sweet. hit they overdo it yeah. like some of the uh, protein powder there's <laughs> a lot oh, of vomit sounds same. today some of the protein With powders and stevia they're just too oh, sweet they're like intense too no matter much. what fruit or anything you put in your smoothie it just tastes like that flavor yeah but yeah and then there's another one that my sister was drinking i saw them at the coles last night and they're actually an alcohol-free pre-mix can but they are, it's either stevia or something as a sweetener. But I, last time I saw her, it was like a margarita in a can. I've seen They them, were yeah. delicious. And they oh. were like pretty much just like your sort of, I don't know, it was like a seed lip sort of style concoction with like your, your, your tonics and... Mm your alternate sort of flavorings but there wasn't any it wasn't like loaded with crap but i felt like they were a good like non-alcoholic in a can yeah and it had like a bit of a spritz to it and the saltiness they were really good i quite often there's a lot of those i just love now that the shelves in just even the supermarket are filled with like I don't love that they sound like, well, it's a good thing, but there's so much like non-alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic sparkling, but I do love all the pre-mix, non-al- like obviously non-alcoholic pre-mix stuff. And if it doesn't have stevia in it, like yeah. there's some really good 
good ones kicking around that I'm just like, yep, yeah, they're actually just really refreshing to have in an esky, especially if, if you're having a few drinks and you just want a break from drinking because I yeah. think it's so not ingrained but people just keep reaching reaching Mm. reaching and i'm big on having soda water breaks or just you know those little can breaks sometimes where i'll just pick up something that's not a stelter it's literally like the mount franklin cans with just like the lime in it or something like that and just having that as a a break from just you know drinking through christmas day and just hydrating yeah yeah they help people too again with clients and they ask these questions because they get like it's like i don't want to just like drink out of my water bottle like what's something that i can drink on the day that feels kind of special and a little bit different Mm. so we have a few other questions from you guys we didn't really answer the xylitol one but we don't have any i don't have any bad things on xylitol like i wouldn't you know it's still a sweetener regardless it's definitely better than than some of the more artificial sweeteners on the market hands down it's just whether or not a it agrees with you and b you like the taste of it yeah yeah exactly yeah whichever ones that you prefer yeah um what was our next question? Do you prefer the matcha tea? <laughs> this is like an easy question, <laughs> depending on who you are. It's like, Coffee. yes, no. <laughs> I'm addicted to matcha. Anyone that knows me, that's like it. It is just like a rite of passage every morning. I have to have my matcha. Um, just adore it in every way. Carissa hates it, despises it, and loves her coffee. Yeah, it's pretty much pond water. And, um, <laughs> I'd rather have caffeine. <laughs> We're both getting caffeine. We're just getting it in yeah. different ways. I'm getting it a slow release with yeah. my theanine. Yeah, with your theanine. Whereas <laughs> Michelle and I have talked about this. We used to be like, well, you could do that or you could just get black coffee, dump some theanine in it. <laughs> <laughs> the same effect without the fucking vile taste. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I was actually chatting to one of my clients um, the other day. And we we're just talking about um, things that you can make, like just in terms of like just the alchemy section of being a nutritionist. And I was saying like mixing, like if you really just wanted to really amp up, you know, your energy and your clarity for your mind. I was saying like you could get a concoction of some tyrosine <laughs> and some of that CDP choline and just kind mm-hmm. of mix that up in a glass and shot it because the tyrosine obviously you know can help ramp up your your dopamine pathways and stuff like that but then and she was kind of like what happens if you get a bit jittery i'm like i just take some theanine over top (laughs) to level it out so you're focused but you're calm mix that with your coffee (laughs) i'm an ideas girl um and i think i saw another question here what have we got should i be worried oh it's steph should i be worried about painful periods Yes. yes 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 it's um Oh God, we've got we've definitely got a lot of podcasts that you can listen to on this particular topic. Mm. But there's one of our other sort of real passion areas is this um, sort of breaking down this misconception that period pain is normal and that we should be suffering yeah. with period pain and that it's just something that women periods. have to experience as part of being a woman. Um, it's simply not true. You shouldn't be having super painful periods if you are having painful periods it's your body telling you that something is awry and that is where we love to come in and uh, help help in so many ways and figure out these underlying Mm. factors that are contributing and as you were just saying too it's not just about the like there's the pain of course but usually if there's pain there's these other factors that come with it right so definitely do you want to mention some of those um, yeah, like you can have like the other things that come with pain. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I think you were just saying, which is common, like it's all that heavy it's the bleeding. He- yeah, heavy bleeding, clotty periods, um, yeah, excruciating pain, that whole sort of dragging feeling. Like I know some of my clients, when they first come in, they're getting pain, you know, from their gut and lower back, and it drags down to their knees. Like it's just that 
intensified you know sort of space and everything's just really full on the pms space can be quite bad as well for a lot of Mm. women that get heavy periods so it's not even just the period itself it's the lead up it's the migraines or the headaches that come with it it's the mood swings it's the feeling really tired breast tenderness tenderness, Mm. breast swelling like there's just so much that comes into periods when they're heavy or painful and misbehaving so um, again, we've got a million podcasts on this, but um, just understanding the why is really important because the why is not the same for every female. So sometimes it is, you know, it's an inflammatory style condition where you've got other things going on systemically for you. Sometimes it's a liver thing where you really need to get in and work with your phase one and phase two detox pathways and understanding how your estrogen metabolizes and what potentially else is going on. Understanding if you're ovulating um, and your what your progesterone does if you are ovulating, like do you have great surges of progesterone? Do you not? That's really important with managing heavy and painful periods as well. Um, yeah. And then obviously the gut and what we kind of chatted about right back at the start, like fiber and gut movement and you know bowel motions and all of that is really important yeah. as well so yeah you definitely don't have to live with it but understanding what's causing it is can be so different from one female to the other the other thing i think is really cool that we like to see women learn in this particular space is understanding their cycle and what's mm. right for them yeah. because as you get a more um sort of healthier cycle you also get to know what are your little signs like i know for me i've got signs that I can tell in my cycle if things just aren't quite right yeah, and same. we'll always say you know your periods like that report card of the past month or sometimes a month before so like yeah for me I know if I start getting a lot of breast tenderness mm-hmm. leading up to my period I'm like oh like here we go <laughs> you know and and I think every woman the more tuned in they get mm-hmm. and the more they work on their cycle and they have a good healthier cycle there'll be these little things and they're not bad like again they're not bad right it's like with your gut you kind of know your things so for me it's that for you it might be like a mood thing it's for me it's definitely mood stuff and fatigue definitely my Mm. boobs as well like i know back before i knew much about breast tenderness and breast swelling and fibrocystic breasts like my boobs with my period would just be like Mm. they would swell like two sizes but then the and be so sore but I'm touching them <laughs> but <laughs> literally due for my periods and everything um but but like the I would get a lot of the um the hard breast tissue as well yeah, I remember right. getting an yep. ultrasound when I was in my early 20s because I you know was convinced there was something wrong with it like no you mm. just got fibrocystic breast but obviously knowing what we know now you can do a lot of work even with that yeah so I don't even think I get that anymore like I definitely my breasts do swell a little bit just before yep. my period but it's not a luteal phase right off and I know for me if I know <laughs> Literally, what I literally what I call my say it to my clients. I'm like, if your period symptoms are a shit show from the time you ovulate, yeah. like if you're tired, you know, or fatigued and grumpy and moody and anxious, and you get two weeks of that, not on. Yeah, yeah. And I know for me, like we've talked about this, hey, like even with my periods, a real red flag. Like it, it just tells me straight away if I'm doing too much or you know like yeah not looking after my detox pathways or my gut or I'm overly stressed because all of that impacts your period but I know like if I start experiencing symptoms you know a week out from my cycle or 10 days out it's a big red flag for me that I've got to do some work and make some lifestyle changes to get my period back where she needs to be for sure this is a good flow on question and then we might wrap this one up. up so food steep for menopause do you recommend any this is one of those ones I know we're talking before about specific foods, but I feel like there are some specifics that I do like to talk about with menopause. Yep. 
Um, you doing phytoestrogens? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like you got to you got to start there because phytoestrogens and there's so much data now, which is wonderful about phytoestrogens, um, and particularly with with soy phytoestrogens and how amazing they are for modulating estrogen. Phytoestrogens are wonderful for helping with really getting in and supporting those low levels of estrogen when they're low. Mm-hmm. They can have the opposite effect and be more modulating just for context when we're using the word modulating if things are too high. So it's not always, there's a lot of misconceptions that it's just going to drive your estrogen through the roof no matter what. It's not going to do that. But in regard to menopause, phytoestrogens, which aren't just about soy, there's other sorts of foods, but the most common one we think of is like your whole food, your tofu, your tempeh, your edamame beans, for example, are wonderful foods to be including at this time because of those benefits. Because mm. with menopause, we're going to have your lower level of your progesterones and your estrogen in particular, which cause a lot of these symptoms. So I know for my clients, I'm usually trying to look at how we can include them in ways that they enjoy them if they yep. do. Um, even though things like there's certain types of legumes mm. that are great as phytoestrogens, um, things like mung beans and alfalfa sprouts, a wonderful. I love um, alfalfa sprouts. Me too. I'm slightly obsessed so, with sprouts. A, a lot of people. I've had clients that are like, tra- oh, I just slipped off my chair. Um, that, that are a bit traumatized by their sprouts. I don't know if it was like if my mum's still watching, like her generation was like obsessed with sprouts. So like, <laughs> one client was telling me recently she used to be forced to have like sprout sandwiches, <laughs> like alfalfa so sprouts. She was like, I'll do mum beans, but I won't do alfalfa sprouts because oh, mum used to do like bana- cottage cheese, banana chopped up dates walnuts and then i think alfalfa sprouts on top of that she is there tell me if i got it right it was actually really nice it sounds really nice yeah i love alfalfa sprouts on anything like in wrap sandwiches even on top of like my eggs they just add this kind of like burst of freshness (laughs) yeah when you just chew them and it's just like this crunch and burst life but yeah those that (laughs) shit the those types of foods for me are like an a number one that I'm thinking about, but it's so much more than that. Then there's, well, I won't keep going on. Like I guess I'm thinking next about like the protein space, which we talked a lot about recently in another podcast. Um, but even like essential fatty acids, right? Essential fatty acids. Um, I always, I always say to people too, like this is with the hormonal change that happened in your perimenopause. I think that perimenopause, obviously, and premenopause, I always like to put that little sub in there because I feel like for me, perimenopause is actually a lot longer than what a lot of people think it is. And then you've got that premenopause and menopause. I think a lot of focus on foods that support your liver and obviously your digestion and stuff like that as well because you just got to think there are big hormone changes. And when a lot of that is happening, you need your liver and your gut to be on board. So obviously, I always say like your greens, like don't forget about those because they're amazing for help, you know, just pulling estrogen estrogen through and helping you detoxify estrogen, your essential fatty acids, so great for mm. liver, but also great for your hormones. Like, you know, don't, don't use um, your menopause years as a time to really skimp on nutrition because it's probably one of, you know, the most crucial times. Well, it's probably, that's, there. it's always crucial <laughs> to focus on your nutrition, but I think, you know, like making sure that you've got this beautiful nutrient dense, protein rich fiber rich sort of diet can be really beneficial in terms of how your menopause mm. years go i definitely see um interestingly sugar just wrecks wrecks havoc for women in their menopause mm. years like it wreaks havoc for most of us in the lifetime if we're eating too much of it but i see sugar just be make things a shit show in terms of hot flushes being more severe mm. sometimes just pulling someone off refined sugar 
in general, even just the smallest amounts of it, I've seen significant improvements with, you know, menopause flushes and stuff like that. So I think that's really interesting anecdotally. Yeah. yeah. And I, look, I can't recommend going and listening to our podcasts on this topic mm-hmm. that are in more depth because we talk a lot about all these areas, but particularly, I remember we talked a lot about what Chris is just going over, this concept of really setting yourself up so that when you get to this time in your mm-hmm. life, you've got a lot already under your belt but then of course these extra things when you get there that you could be doing because so many women like you say have fallen into these patterns of eating in a way that is creating more inflammation and not supporting their hormones and a lot of women aren't eating enough protein at all and they're kind of riding the day through on just simple carbohydrates it's super common super and you're common. kind of layering it with women that also, I mean, this, we're kind of getting past it a bit now, but generationally there's still women in this phase that are affected by the concept of like low fat yeah. and like going into this time to go back to fats, the importance of essential fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're just, they're like putting on weight and they're like, like low fat this, low fat that. So yeah, it's a big space and hopefully there's a few things there, but go and listen to that podcast because it's a goodie. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for joining. Thanks for tuning in. This is fun. Have a bloody awesome Christmas. Enjoy the festivities. Um, And as always, um, share the podcast. And if you're listening, watching on Instagram, we'd love you to share this too. um, So others can join in and hear. But um, I think that is everything. If you've yeah. got any feedback for us, just send us a DM. You can head to iTunes and leave a rating for us. We would love that. That would be amazing. Please Thanks. do it. <laughs> and we'll, um, we'll see you guys in 2022. Yeah. More podcasts. Maybe more of these IG podcasts because Jess is actually allowed in Queensland now. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I might be allowed to go to Melbourne as well. Oh, my God. So, anyway, we've got plans, big plans for next year if um, – the borders can stay somewhat mm. open and we can do a lot of the things like workshops and all of the things that we love doing that have kind of just been on yeah. hold for the last couple of years. So what's this space? We do have some exciting ones, don't we? We've got kind some, of ticking away we've got ideas. some cool fucking ideas. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, it can all happen. But thanks for tuning in. Little squeak. Hi. Hi. <laughs> She's like, I've been to one of your workshops. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. All right, guys. Have a bloody awesome Christmas. Enjoy the festivities. Eat all the yummy food and yes. we'll um, see you next year. Bye. Bye.